Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome to the Church of Roy, a sports drink original podcast. Morning today's show may include adult language. And here are your hosts, Brian Wilcox and Steve Ewald. Welcome, everybody, to a special edition of the Church of Roy podcast. Free agency is here. We're, we're a full day into it, and the Blazers have been busy. Um, I hope everybody's feeling good. It's been a lot to, to follow along the Blazers. Kind of a slow start uh, to things. Uh, I think we'll talk about it in a little bit. But uh, the Yusuf Nurgish thing took a little bit longer than we'd all hope, um, or, or at least raised enough curiosity that it didn't get done right out of the gate. But before we get too far into it, again, special edition episode. I'm your host, Steve Dewald, as always. Just going to be me today. Brian is traveling. He is in the Midwest. So I'm going to just touch base here before we get to our regular show on Tuesday. Um, so let's just kick it off. First move kind of of chronologically i think is the best way i'm going to try to do it and then i'm going to kind of circle back and talk about each point but anthony simons no surprise here gets his extension with the blazers or his new contract he's off his rookie deal four years a hundred million dollars so that's kind of the first domino to drop for portland then as the night goes on uh the blazers reach an agreement with gary payton the second who played you know a vital role for golden state last year off the bench uh, they basically use up almost all the mid-level exception to sign him three years, $28 million. Uh, then the use of Nurkic extension gets done four years, $70 million. And then finally they kind of wrap things up by uh, getting Drew Eubanks deal done as a backup center uh, player who played on kind of the, the tanking blazer squad last year, played a lot of minutes. Um, so now you know, going forward, I, I would assume it's a minimum deal, uh, one-year deal, sticking around in Portland, local guy. So kind of still a cool story, but we'll get into kind of maybe some worries about that position still going forward. So those, those are the big moves uh, or the moves the Blazers have done. So let's kind of circle back. I want to talk about Gary Payton II. Um, really 
one of the best perimeter defenders in this entire free agent class. Now, granted, not every free agent class is created the same, so uh, maybe a little grain of salt here, but Gary Payton II played a, a huge role for a Warriors team that desperately needed perimeter defense. Now, if that sounds familiar, it should, because the Blazers have always had questions there. They've tried to address it in several different way, ways in the Damian Lillard era. And now kind of with C.J. McCollum out, and, you know, Anthony Simons obviously is stepping into that role, but there's a little more room to address that position. And, and really, GP2 is, is one of the best ways possible to do it. Now, I don't really feel comfortable pigeonholing him as, you know, he is this guard. No, yes, he is 6'3", another 6'3 player in Portland. But he plays well above his size. Um, you know, he's logged minutes. I mean, last year, a few years ago it, in Washington, I mean, he played a hefty amount of minutes at small forward. He split time basically this last year at both the guard spots, but it was not uncommon for him to be guarding up, you know, one to two positions on a regular basis. He is very much comfortable among players that are much larger than he is. He's very comfortable around the rim, whether that's rebounding, cutting to the basket. I mean, this guy offensively lived, you know, in the power forward spot and the center spot, even sometimes uh, for extended minutes, very similar to, you know, kind of what we saw at Davis do with the Blazers sitting in that dunker spot. I mean, Mo Harkless also um, really that baseline smart cutter knows his limitations on that end of the floor. And then it's just really an impactful player on the defensive end, you know, creating steals, creating opportunities. I mean, he was an absolute menace uh, in very high profile games. And just to kind of get a look at that, just looking at the final. So he misses game one. He's coming back from an injury. Um, Warriors drop that first game uh, to the Celtics, but then he comes back, plays 25 minutes in game two, Warriors win, plays only 11 minutes in game three, the Celtics win, plays 10 minutes in game four, Warriors win, plays 26 minutes in game five, and was an absolute defensive menace in that game. Warriors win that game, and then plays 20 minutes in game six, close out game, Warriors win. And now in those final two games, GP2 is playing – very high profile defense. I mean, he's guarding Jalen Green. He's guarding Jason Tatum. I mean, he's guarding a lot of the time the best perimeter weapons that the Celtics can put out there. So, you know, he's he's the real deal. He he showed it at the you know the pinnacle of competition in the NBA. Um, I think his role and something I tweeted about is a role that can be repeated in Portland if used properly. Now, granted, he is kind of a specialty player and you have to kind of know what you have in mind when you, you sign a player like that. And so hopefully I would assume the Blazers have the blueprints there. I mean, it's a very similar backcourt makeup in Portland. So really kind of, you're seeing that, but maybe bench rotation kind of come into formation where you know, if Dame comes off, he can come in. Anthony slides into that point guard role. And then, you know, vice versa. When Dame's out there with Ant, you can you can use him in that role as well. So, you know, I, I really like the signing. Now, again, there is pushback here that, yes, he is 6'3". I get it. Um, would I have liked a, you know, a 6'10 defensive stopper that does the things that the GP2 does? Absolutely. But that player just was not available in this class, or at least not available to the Blazers. Um, I also think it's just kind of important, if you're going to judge Joe Cronin, uh, granted there is there hasn't been games yet, but 
so so no games yet but i think it's important to look back and see how the blazers have used this money differently under a different gm so you know a couple years ago the blazers kind of the same idea going after a defensive option at the forward spot on the perimeter spot and, and Derek Jones Jr., another player who was on a team that, that went to the title in the bubble with the Heat, but was firmly out of that rotation, not not very much like GP2, and, and you know gave him similar money one less year, but also a deal that had a player option in it, um, just over $9 million a year. Um, so really... I think if you're going to really judge Joe Cronin here, you have to kind of look and see, you know, okay, well, this is a little different. This is a player who has a little more proven track record, has managed to stay in a rotation, play a vital part in a title winning team. Um, But also, you know, that's kind of a two-way street too. If, you know, you're really going out of your way to pat Joe Cronin on the back here, just know that these, these signings aren't incredibly different, you know, tier wise, except for that, you know, the obvious that, that Gary Payton Jr. has a little bit more production, but yes, a little bit smaller. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.com. .edu slash podcast. But um, overall, I, I think it's hard to be upset about this trade, the, this signing for the Blazers. I think it's a step in the right direction. I think it addresses an issue that has plagued the Blazers for a lot of years. I mean, mainly since, you know, Wesley Matthews was injured is, you know, you needed a point of attack stopper in that backcourt. And, and I think he is exactly that. I think GP2 has a, has a clearly defined role he, I think he is going to find minutes. I think it's something I've talked about with Brian. Having a lot of players you can play, especially in very important games and have a proven track record there, you could never have too many of those guys on your roster. And, you know, the Blazers didn't have a whole lot of them. So now they definitely have one in him. Now, I, what it means for the small forward spot, um, that's something we'll talk about when I get near kind of the end of this show. But overall, I really like GP2. I mean, when you're talking about, you know, production in the finals, I mean, six combined steals in the last two games of the finals this year. Um, his defensive rating was at 90 or below in, in both those games, which is, you know, that's a really good indication on that, that metric. I mean, if you're talking about the Raptor rating and some of the other defensive metrics, which aren't as perfect as offensive metrics, but everything loves what GP2 does out there on the floor. And I mean, not only that, but it really does pass the eye test. I mean, you can tell the impact he makes, um, you know, so, and it's, it's just cool to see another Northwest guy come back, um, come back to Portland where he, I mean, he went to school at Oregon state, but it's cool to have him back in the Northwest. I think he's going to be a fan favorite. Um, he definitely has that kind of bulldog mentality. Um, 
I think he's going to be a good fit, and he's going to be a good fit for this team, especially with Chauncey Billups and kind of what he's trying to do from a level of accountability and on the defensive end. So I think this is a, a step in the right direction and a pretty clear outline of really what the Blazers are trying to do here. I mean, if you're talking about the two biggest new acquisitions they made, you know, being GP2 and Jeremy Grant, I mean, Grant's more of a two-way player, but I think both those guys were brought in to really make a difference on the defensive end. So I think they're really trying to add flexibility, switchability, and, and, you know, some defensive accountability. And, you know, that's exactly some of the stuff we've been talking about for a long time on this show um, and about the Blazers in general, stuff that we would like to see change going forward. So the other player we'll circle back to is, is Yusuf Nurkic, four-year, $70 million deal. Now that... You know, I, I say it's higher than what I thought it was going to be, but really not terribly um, too much higher, $17.5 million. Also, we don't know exactly what the structure of that deal is, um, how, what incentives are in there, how likely he is to hit those incentives. Um, and then also, I'm really curious to see if there's a, a team option or kind of a de facto team option and maybe some non-guaranteed money on the back end. Um, you know, obviously, if you're talking about Yusuf Nurkic, you're talking about you know, some injury history stuff, but I think it is important to note that coming into this next season, he will have two full NBA seasons in between that catastrophic leg injury. And really last year, he probably could have played the entire season. I mean, it was very clear that he was shut down near the end of the season. Um, that, that reporting is out there. So maybe he has turned a corner. I mean, I just by looking at him and, some of the way how he's been playing he's changed his body he plays at a lighter weight now now can he continue that um there's always a worry when you know you're a player that big but um optimistically i'm hoping that you know he will live up to every dollar maybe exceed some of that that contract i mean they're going to need him because there's just not a lot of depth at center here so i i am very interested one to see how the contract is structured on the back end but two, you know, can he keep it rolling? It was last season a step in the right direction as far as health goes, um, because I'm not really worried about the time he missed at the end of the year. Um, hopefully he can have another healthy season because he is him and Dame form one of the most dynamic pick and roll partnerships. And then also just in general, a theme I'll get to here in a little bit, but there is a need for connective players on this roster by looking at it right now. And that is something we've seen. Nurkic take pride in and see him consistently improve on that front since he's been in Portland. I think he is, he takes pride in passing out of the high post and the Blazers are going to need that because there really isn't a ton of connective players on this team, especially when you're looking at the starting lineup. I mean, obviously the backcourt has playmaking in it. Um, Some of that is theoretical playmaking with Anthony Simons, but um there's certainly the groundwork there in the backcourt, but in the frontcourt, they're really going to need, I would assume, Nurkic to, to really help drive the offense you know, through his passing for, for stretches of time. Now, outside of Nurkic at the center position, you know, as I mentioned at this top, we have Drew Eubanks now, who is the only other true center on the roster. Now, just judging by, you know, some of the players they've gone after, whether it's Grant, whether it's GP2, um, even Shade on Sharp a little bit. I think the the Blazers are trending towards 
positionalist basketball. And, and so I'm not really too shook up about the center spot, but it is nice to have those big guys there. Now, when you're talking about your, your second center, I'm really more concerned if something happens to Nurkic and he's out of the lineup, whether that's foul trouble, um, whether he's injured, you know, that's when you're going to need a starting center, but there's not a lot of teams that carry, you know, a bunch of quality centers. So if Drew Eubanks is playing, you know, 10 to 15 minutes a night against, you know, a backup center, I don't think you're going to get torched there, but, and, and, you know, if that team doesn't roll out a traditional center, then I think the Blazers are going to follow suit because, this team is built to play small now, whether that's Jeremy Grant at the center, whether that's Trenton Watford playing center. There's going to be opportunities for, for those guys to get a bunch of minutes and maybe dictate lineups to other teams or at least match them when other teams go small. Um, but yeah, Drew Eubanks, it's not that I don't like his game. It's just, you know, as we talked in the year-end recap, he's not someone who I view necessarily as like a, a high quality backup center. I think he'd be a very high quality third center um, and someone who can play a little bit when, when called upon, but you know, he's going to get an opportunity to grow in that. And maybe he does have more to show. Maybe his production is a little bit deeper than just putting up minutes on on a really terrible blazer team last year. So um, here's the hoping, because again, it is a very cool story. And then I, the last thing I kind of want to return to is, is Anthony Simons again, $100 $100 million deal, so very easy to do the math on four years on that, $25 million a year. Again, like Nurkic, we don't know what those incentives look like. Um, we don't know how likely he is to hit those incentives. So that number I w- could come down. I mean, typically these deals are broadcast at the biggest number possible. So it, it is possible it could go up from 25 down to you know, $23 million a year, which even there, it is a little bit higher than you know what was previously rumored to be in the four-year $80 million range. So tacking on $5 million a year there. But still, if Anthony Simons becomes what we all, I mean, at least on this show, think he can become and what the Blazers clearly think he can become, you know, that's a pretty quality deal, especially when you line it up to what the Blazers previously were paying for C.J. McCollum there. Now, granted, Anthony Simons is not C.J. McCollum. Um, he's got a ways to, to get there and, and a while to prove that he can maintain that production. But just for perspective, CJ McCollum, this next season in new Orleans is going to make $33 million a year. And then the year after that, $36 million a year. So you're talking by next year, you know, after this next season, you know, about $11 million difference between the two deals. So, I mean, that's, that's a, a GP2 contract right there, or, or could be the difference between this team really having to make some hard decisions around the luxury tax or the apron. So, you know, if he can match that, like if he can match that production and be a better fit next to Damian Lillard, I think this move is still should be viewed as a slam dunk. I view it as a slam dunk anyway, just retaining him, developing him from where he was picked. So, you know, a lot to like here. I'm not terribly concerned that it's a little higher than what was reported, but you know, I had a lot of text messages coming in that, you know, Oh my God, a hundred million dollars. And, you know, I'm really not too nervous about it. Um, I think he's going to live up to that contract. I think he's going to have a very wide runway to, to live up to that contract, mainly just because this team needs playmaking. He's going to be asked to do a lot of true point guard duties. 
as a reserve on this team. And, and I think if he can turn that corner, we know he can score for himself. If he can, you know, add some of the other parts of the game at a consistent level, you know, against quality competition on a team that's trying to win, I think he's going to live up to that contract. So if this is the roster as it stands now, I think there's still potential for a trade here. Um, again, this is the moratorium, so nothing is final here. So I don't know necessarily how that works with are they hard capped? Can they still guarantee then trade Bledsoe's contract and then work out all these deals? Like, you know, timing is everything. So we're kind of in that funky moratorium time, but I, I just think from a money standpoint, I, and some of the deal, other deals getting done, I don't know if there is going to be an Eric Bledsoe deal out there. I also don't know if Jabari Walker, I don't know if it's been announced yet. At least I haven't seen it, whether or not Jabari Walker is going to be signed to a two-way contract or a traditional NBA contract, which potentially opens up a roster spot. So the, those are kind of the couple things to watch, but I really think this is the structure for this roster going forward, I think is in place. So with that in mind, assuming all that, the guys I like going forward that I think are in a good position to succeed. And it's something that we'll continue to talk about throughout this off season, but just early on, I think Trenford, Trent and Watford has a tremendous opportunity here. Um, a connected player, a player we see play with his head up on offense, very smart player, knows positioning. I think there's going to be room for that. There's definitely going to be minutes in that front court, whether it's at center, whether it's a power forward, there is a window for Trent and Watford to play meaningful minutes. And I think he is the type of player. He's a smart player that is going to add to this team's offense. Um, Cause I think there, there's a lot of guys you can, you know, hit open shots, or, you know, create for themselves a little bit one-on-one. -on -one. But, you know, Trenton Wofford, I think he can grow into a conduit role. And, and I like his, his how he's positioned going forward, especially, you know, only in his second year. Um, cut short a little bit last year. But I, I really like where he's positioned going forward. Um, and then I think it's the small forward spot. I think it's going to be a true competition to see who wins that spot. Unless the Blazers make a trade, which... I don't know if it's out there for them right now, uh, but Nasir Little and Josh Hart are in positions to be a starter on this team that is going to be try to be competitive next year, is going to certainly play for a playoff spot. And I'm sure Damian Lillard and Jeremy Grant, when they teamed up, they they wanted to go for home court advantage, I would assume. So one of those two guys is going to play in the starting role, in a starting role as I see it now. I mean, granted, in crunch time, I don't know what that three spot looks like or, or what the rotation might look like in general. I think that's going to be matchup dependent, whether they're playing, you know, from with a lead or playing from behind. I think if you're looking for a more defensive oriented approach, I think you could see GP2 in that position down the stretch. But um, these guys are going to have an opportunity to play very big impact minutes for this team. And, and Josh Hart, too. Same things as Trent and Watford at a higher level. Trent Josh Hart kind of showed in, in his brief flashes with the Blazers last year that he can do a little bit as a facilitator. He, he is comfortable running an offense. So another person who has, you know, a tremendous opportunity here going forward. Um, and then obviously improvement areas or areas of concern talked about it a bunch already, but, but that center spot, you know, is, is there something, else in the works are they comfortable with how they they're they're moving forward uh 
The other thing is a facilitator. Do they need an, another true point guard on this team? Because GP2 isn't quite that. I think he could do it in a pinch, you know, same as Josh Hart. Um, Anthony Simon still is developing that part of his game. And then finally, you know, the small forward spot, the elephant in the room. Yes, it's going to be a competition, but is there a small forward with size, another forward with size that that can play one-on-one defense and add a little bit on the offensive end? Because really, if you take those three things into account, in a worst case scenario, even if it's for a couple of weeks and it's a tight playoff race, this roster gets incredibly thin. If any one of Dame, Jeremy Grant, or Yusuf Nurkic are out of the lineup for an extended amount of time, you're, you're talking about filling some, some pretty major holes there where, you know, I guess Dame, you know, anytime you lose a superstar, it's obvious that's going to take your team in the wrong direction in a big way. But at least Anthony Simons, theoretically can step into that position a little bit and carry it for a few games. But I get really concerned, you know, if Jeremy Grant goes out, then you're sitting there with, you know, how do you guard an apex forward in this league? How do you guard a big talented forward that can create his own shot? I mean, that's what Jeremy Grant was brought here to do. There's not really another forward on this roster that can do that. Uh, I mean, Greg Brown, the third, maybe in a few years can get there, but still at the very beginning of his development curve. And then Nurkic, of course, one of two true centers, and I've already said I view Drew Eubanks more as a reserve center than a true backup center or someone who can step into the starting lineup. So those are the three things to watch. Rosters aren't built in a day or two days. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if there's another move coming at the trade deadline. And then, of course, as far as rookies go, I think there's a real chance for Shade and Sharp to, to get some minutes here, to get some development time. Um, I don't think it's going to be a huge role, but I, I could see him getting, you know, five to 10 minutes a night here. Um, maybe more if he, if he lives up to some of the hype, but I mean, it, we're going to know a lot more after summer league, as far as how much development he might need and how, how that gap in competitive play has really impacted where he is as a prospect. But that's another thing I'm kind of coming away with here is can, can Shaden step into a bigger, bigger role because the opportunity certainly appears that it is there. So hopefully this wasn't just a bunch of rambling. I know just listening to me is, is not always the optimum podcast experience, but I appreciate you guys listening today. Um, figured I'd jump on again and, and just talk a little bit about what's going, going on. So that's it. We'll be back at our normal time this next week. If something big and crazy happens, I'll be back on again, but I appreciate all of you. Um, appreciate all the support. Go back, listen to the J. Kyle Mann episode. It is awesome what he provided us on the on the Shade and Sharp front. So go check out our last episode after you listen to this if you haven't already. I appreciate all you guys. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Church of Roy podcast. If you like what you've heard, go ahead and subscribe to the show wherever you download your podcast. And while you're at it, go follow us on Twitter at Church of Roy Pod. We'll see you next week.